All right. Now, those of you in the uncomfortable chairs, you can move up now. We got we got seats. <laughs> We need to buy this building so we can knock that wall down, amen? Yeah. We need, we need a little more room. Amen. Everybody that put $2 in the offering, say, yeah! All right. We only need $1.5 to buy the building. And we have, we have 19000 in savings. Hallelujah. pretty good, right? We're a five-year-old church. Most churches in debt by now. So we're doing all right. All right. Amen. Amen. All right. We got all the mushy, crying stuff out of the way during worship so we could get hardcore this morning already, right? Amen? You all needed it. That's good. You had it. Let's get into the Word. All right. I'd like to start with a quote. Here's the quote this morning. The quote is actually from Ecclesiastes 7.14. It says, on a good day, enjoy yourself. On a bad day, examine your conscience. God arranges for both kinds of days so that we won't take anything for granted. Stay in touch with both sides. Amen. Wow. Amen. That's from the message. If you're reading it in the King James, then it sounds a little different. I want to talk to you this morning about self-examination in a message titled, A Surrendered Life. A Surrendered Life. We left off last week in our walkthrough of Genesis. If you're new, we've been going through the book of Genesis since the beginning of the year. We've been having a, a real good time. And we're all the way up to like chapter 24. It's been awesome. And so we left off last week in our walkthrough of Genesis with the dramatic story of Abraham and Isaac. It was the picture of a father on a three-day journey to surrender to God, the son that he loves. <clears throat> and we talked and we focused on that, that tender moment when, when Isaac kind of came to the realization that something was happening here. Isaac was on this journey with his dad and, and, and others, and he realized that, he says, Dad, I, I see the wood that we're carrying. Dad, I see the fire. Dad, I see the knife, but, but I don't see the sacrifice. Where's the lamb? And he realized there was nothing to sacrifice. They were, they were going to 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 sacrifice something to God, and they had nothing to sacrifice. Church, how many of you know that sometimes the only thing we have to offer up to God is us? Anybody been there? That's a good place to be. It's a good place to be when you get to the point where you say, God, the only thing I have to offer up to you is me. Because listen, all throughout the word, Hosea 6, 6, it says, For God desires a steadfast love, not sacrifice. Matthew 9 says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. 
Psalm 51, David says, God, you don't delight in sacrifice or I would give it to you. You don't delight in burnt offerings or I would offer them to you. But a contrite heart, God, that you won't despise. A surrendered heart, you, you won't turn away. See, sometimes we, you know, we, we want to give things to God. Right? We serve, we help out, like we do. Anybody feel better like about themselves when they do things? Right? I mean, it's natural, right? You came and you helped out. At, who helped out at the at the help, at the the harvest thing on Saturday? Amen. Seventy something kids here. I heard. Thank God, I was on the other side of the broadcast. That's rough. That's rough. But, you know, we, we do things for, for God. And so, you know, a lot of us like to do, to do things. And, and, and we figure, you know, we serve, we help out, we do things. We give money. We, we do ministry. But listen, you can't pay God off. Get this. He's neither a pimp nor a prostitute. You, you can't use him for our benefit. We can't pay him off with a couple of good acts, some good behavior, a couple of good prayers. God is not impressed. Amen. Look, somebody needs to hear this. Did you know that on your worst days, God loves you just as much as on the days where you thought you earned it? Amen. Somebody just hold on to that for a minute. On your worst days, on the days that you are ashamed of yourself, on the days that you don't want to want your mother to look at you, you don't want your wife to look in your eyes, on the days where you are just so humiliated and embarrassed of the mess that you've made in your life that day. On the worst days, God loves you just as much as on the days where you helped out at the harvest fair, you spend an hour in prayer and you read the word. And you think, I am the super holiest Christian. I am so on my game right now. I should like walk across lakes. Right? Yeah, you ever been there? I'm so like with God right now. And that's a good place to be. Don't get me wrong. That's an awesome place to be. You know, when you're doing, God says he orders the steps of the righteous. So I'm not discounting that. That's awesome. But he loves you just as much the day that you're ashamed and feeling guilty. See, before, before the reformation of the church, the church used to sell forgiveness. Did you know that before Martin Luther, we used to, the, some pope just decided that there was a lot of money to be made. And so, so people, because people generally want God's approval. And so he figured we can make a lot of money doing this. And so people were selling tickets of God's approval. They were, they were called indulgences. And people were selling indulgences. It was literally a get out of hell card. Literally, you paid for it. You, you bought these indulgences. Sadly, the modern church isn't much better. Right? Just flip a channel. We're selling faith. We're selling favor. We're selling miracles. We're, we're selling miracles. You, you can actually take your credit card out and buy the $100 miracle or the $1,000 miracle. I know you've seen it. You, you can actually pay. We're, we're selling prayer. The modern church, we're selling prophetic words. You want to hear from the Lord? $100. No tax. 
We're selling it today, right? We, we haven't come a long way, sadly, church. We're selling prosperity. You can buy $1,000 for $100. Because when you put it 100, God multiply it and you do the whole weird Christian math. And so some people give just to get. See, when, when the rich young man came to Jesus and he asked him, listen, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? God saw his heart. And he tells him, well, the, you know the word. The word says you need to follow all the commandments. And the arrogant young man said, well, that I've done since I was a kid. And so then God went right to his heart. I said, okay, sell everything you have and give it to the poor and come follow me. And the word says that the man walked away sad because he had so much wealth. See, God wasn't looking for another broke brother in the ministry when Jesus spoke to the rich man. He didn't want another broke brother driving a 1986 Toyota with a Jesus, you know, my treasures in heaven bumper sticker. But, but, but God wants a surrendered heart. And God was looking at the heart. See, you can have things if, if you have a surrendered life. You can have all the stuff that you can drive a Benz and a Lexus and whatever. That means nothing you, if you have a surrendered heart to God. God said, I'll give you the desires of your heart, but I need to have a surrendered heart in you. I'm, I'm talking to you, church, today about a surrendered life. And so back in that story, Isaac asked, Father, where is the lamb? Where is the sacrifice? And, and we saw the now tried and tested faith of a father who replies, God will supply the lamb. He tells him, God will work it out. And so we saw how this whole story was a picture of the gospel. How a father surrenders the son that he loves and, and a son surrenders his life to become the lamb, right? The sacrifice that takes away the sins of the world. It's a beautiful picture of the gospel in the Old Testament. And so as we move on through the book and through the lives of these people, here's what happens. Sarah dies, and then Abraham, he's approaching the end of his life. And, and we pick up the story in Genesis chapter 24. And it starts like this. Now Abraham was old. The Hebrew Greek says Abraham was old. The, 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 you know, the Aramaic translation means Abraham was a viejo. Abraham was a hundred and too many years old. I want you to really understand that. So Genesis 24 verse 1. Now Abraham was old, well advanced in his years, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. How would you like that said about your life? Right? Anybody want that said about your life? Yeah. Now, Hector was old, what? well advanced in his years, yeah. and God had blessed him in all things. Isn't that awesome? God had blessed him in all things. I, I don't know about you, but I, I would love that to be my closing statement. I would love people to say about that. Now, George is old. He is older than dust. But God had blessed him in all things. 
It's an awesome closing statement, but you see, the problem is at the heart level is that we're still dealing with our flesh. You see, we want God to bless our lives, but we don't want to be a blessing. We want God to be generous with us, but we don't want to be generous. We want God to be faithful to us, but we don't want to be faithful. We want God to hear us, but we don't want to listen. Am I talking to anybody besides Daniel? See, we want God to forgive us, but we don't want to be forgiving. We want God to accept us, but we don't want to be accepting. We want God to love us, but we refuse to be loving. We want the blessings without the blessor. We want fire without the sacrifice. We want commitment without the contract. We want arrangement without the covenant. Come on. To quote an old Steven Seagal movie, everybody want heaven, nobody want dead. But you see, church, there are no shortcuts to verse 1. There are no shortcuts to, to Abraham was old, well advanced in his years, and the Lord had blessed him in all things. There are no shortcuts to that. The way to God is a surrendered life. And that church is the real gospel. That's the gospel that we stand on in this church that we preach and teach. It's all about a surrendered life. If you want to name it and claim it, you need to find that somewhere else. If you want to mark it and park it, you need to go find somebody on TV to, to do that too. And make sure when they ask you for a lot of money, you send it. Because guess what? God is not providing the wealth you are. I have to give an answer for every word that I share here. So if it's okay with you, I'm going to stick to the script. Amen? Yeah, 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 yeah. So the story goes on. Abraham is old and he calls in the oldest of his household. Um, the, the servant that had been around with him the longest. And he gives him one last responsibility. He makes him swear by the Lord. He makes him covenant with him that he would find his son a godly wife. Abraham is viejo. He wants, the last thing he wants in his life is that his son would have a good wife. A godly wife. Can anybody kind of put yourself in that situation and say, yeah, that's, that's what we want for our kids, right? That's what we want. We want our kids to, to just be with the right person, to be with the person that God has for them. Amen? Amen. And so he, he, this last thing Abraham was concerned with at the end of his life is that God would, that would give his son a God-fearing wife. See, he doesn't want Isaac to take a wife from the daughters of the Canaanites where they're living. Because he understood the importance of being equally connected. He, he understood that, you know, he doesn't want Isaac to be distracted with a woman who serves other gods. He doesn't want Isaac to, to have two altars in his house. He doesn't want Isaac to have a woman who doesn't hear from the one true God. Because then his life would be divided and it would be very hard for him to follow the, the promise that God has for his life. Can anybody say amen? See, Abraham knows that marriage is going to be hard enough without being unequally yoked. 
Amen. My, my single people, please listen. So he makes his servants swear that he would go to the land of his father and get from his people a wife for his son. So the next, the same chapter there, it says, the servant sets out to the land. And watch this. This is cool. He takes with him ten camels and all kinds of gifts and, and all kinds of gold and jewelry. And when he gets just outside the city, he stops and he prays. This is cool. This is just a servant in the house of Abraham. But see, this servant has lived with Abraham. This servant has walked with Abraham. This servant has, see, there's been some Abraham rubbing off on this guy. See, I wonder, you know, when, when people are with you all the time, do, do, do you rub off on them? Do, does your belief system rub off on them? Does the way you see things rub off on them? Or are you one of these undercover guys that you just serve God on Sunday and in quiet? This servant lived with Abraham so long that he knew the heart of Abraham. And so just as he got outside the city, it says it's weird because it says he made the camels kneel down. So even the camels had to pray. It says it. Look it up. I ain't making it up. Right, Danny? It says that there. He made the camels kneel down. So, so they, they prayed and, and listened to the prayer because this is so cool. Verse 12, it says, And he said, Lord God, God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today. So he's praying that God would lead him to good prayer. Watch this. Show steadfast love to my master Abraham. Behold, I am standing by the spring of water, and, then, and the daughters of the men of the city are, are coming out to draw water. Watch this. Let the young woman to whom I shall say, please let down your jar that I may drink. And let her say, drink, and I'll water your camels also. Let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. Listen, because we do this all the time, don't we? Do we do this all the time? You ever pray like that? Say, God, I'm going to, the only time, I, I want you to hear this because we need to learn how to do it right. I want you to do it right. Because obviously it's a prayer that God answers. See, but a lot of times, you know, we'll go walk in and we'll say, God, you know, if, um, if this is the one, you know, let, as I'm walking, let a lotto ticket just fall and stick to my forehead. <laughs> and let me go, oh, what's this? Oh, it's the winning, you know, win for life. Because, and then we get holy, because God, you're the God that supplies all of my needs. And God, you are... Right? But we're asking for some really freaky stuff sometimes, right? God, you know, let me, when, when I cross the street, you know, let, let the bus just go over me and float and come down. And then, God, I will know that you protect me and that you cover me. And, and we ask for all this unnatural stuff. Watch, watch, watch how he does it. He could have sat back and said, God, here I am. Let her come to me. Right? And it still would have been a good prayer. Let her come to me. And that way I know. But instead he says, I'm going to go to her. He says, I'm going to do something. Bless me as I go. 
Watch this. Bless me as I go. Bless me. Direct me as I walk. Lead me as I move. Come on. You got to get this. Lead me as I move. See, God directs moving cars. He doesn't, he, he's not going to give you, you know how the GPS works, right? When you get to the turn, he'll tell you to turn. Right? Otherwise, we, I throw the GPS out the window. If, if, as soon as I turned it on, it says, okay, you're going to make a left, you're going to go four blocks, you're going to make a right. You're gonna, I, I, I have a wife for that. I don't need the GPS. Right? I need you to tell me as I get there, I need you to tell me to turn. As I get there, I need, right? And so that's how God works with us. As we're moving, he directs us. As we're moving, that's so, because listen, people sit at home and say, God, you know, just, just let somebody call me with a job. I'm going to play Xbox for the next six hours. But God, I'm just, I know that you love me when the phone rings and it's from like IBM. And they want me to be a VP of lo que sea. You know, and I'll know God that you love me. Until then, I'm going to get real good at this game. You understand? God said, no, no, no. God, I'm dressed up. I got my last, my, my only suit on. God, I got my good tie on. I got the, the good shirt on. It's got a stain, but it's covered with the jacket. So I'm good. And God, I'm going out. And I got 19 copies of my resume. And God, I'm going to go to these big companies, God. I'm not going to go to the bodega. I'm going to go to the big companies. And I'm going to say, here I am. God, lead me as I go. Lead God, open the doors as I'm going, God. As a, direct me as I, as I go. See, too often we want God to bless the something that we're not doing. So the sign that he wants from God is a very natural one, but it's still supernatural. He's not testing God. He's not daring God. See, we got to be careful with our prayers sometimes. We test God. And like, you're an ant. Who are you to test God? You know, we really got to, we, we have to break the whipped cheese and ghetto mentalities that we have. And, and the entitlement um, realities that we have and say, I, you know, I had a rough life. I only had one parent. Uh, my, my father was a crackhead. But, so God, you need to, God needs to nothing. God needs to nothing. I'm sorry that you had a rough life. Look around. There's people that had worse than you. Right? You, if you're still walking, if you're still talking, then, then praise God that your legs weren't cut off like the other guy. Right? We need the entitlement mentality to let that go and say, God, the bottom line is, God, I don't deserve anything. God, I'm a sinner. I sinned today. I sinned yesterday. I'm probably going to blow it tomorrow. God, I'm a sinner. I don't deserve anything, God, but you love me and I love you. And so, God, I'm going to surrender my life to you and trust that you want the best for me. Because he does want the best for us, but you don't deserve it. And when we get rid of that mentality, then everything that we get is a gift from God. And it's like, wow! You know when you put on an old jacket and there's $3 in it? You're like... Now I've got six, son! I, I can have the bacon and cheese this morning. I don't have to have just the toast. Right? But when we have the entitlement mentality, we pull it out and go, oh, it's just $3. Yeah. 
Come on, Jehovah Jireh, where you at? <laughs> Meanwhile, you ain't have a job in six years. So, so the sign that he wants, he's not daring God. He's not, he's not saying, God, the woman that you want for Isaac, you know, this woman that the father's praying for, you, he wants her to be a God-fearing woman. He wants her to, she needs to be a generous woman. She needs to be a loving woman. She needs to be a woman that's unselfish, that's sacrificial. And so, God, I'll see that in her when I ask her for a drink. Let her go the extra mile, and I'll know that it's her. See, to give him a drink was one thing. You got to understand how this works. They, they would have these jugs and they would go to the well and the women would fill them and then bring the water back home. And, and so to offer someone a drink from the water that you've collected is, is still generous. It's saying, like, you can say, yo, pour your own water. What's up? I got to bring this to my family, right? She could be like, oh, no, I ain't giving you no water. Right? She, could, she could be all kinds of attitudes, right? But, but for her to even let down her jug and say, sure, sir, have a drink. You're a stranger. I don't know you from anybody. But here, have a drink. It's one thing. But for her to say, I'll, I'll, and I'll, I'll pour water for your ten camels. You know how that's gallons and gallons of water. This is going to take her all afternoon. It's not a hose. It's not a spigot. It's, it's a well. She needs to fill this jar and bring it and bring it to the trough and empty it into the trough. And, and maybe the camel could just lick his, you know, the tongues are like this long. He lick his tongue and it's gone. And, and so, and it says, I'll, I'll, I'll pour them drink until they're satisfied. This woman is either like a, a psycho or, or she has the heart of God. She's a generous, loving, beautiful woman. And, and so it's still supernatural, but, but it's, it's, it's totally a natural type of prayer, right? And so he offers the prayer of a surrendered life. He says, God, you know where I'm at, and you know what I've been sent to do. I'm going to step out and do it, but I want your blessing on it. I want your confirmation. I want your hand on it. And look, verse 15, it says, before he finished speaking, behold, Rebecca. I love that. You know when the answer is standing right in front of you before you open your eyes for the amen? Like before you open, before he finished speaking, behold, Rebecca. And, and God answers the servant's prayer before it was even finished. And Rebecca does all of the things exactly as he asked God for it to happen. And so he just knew Rebecca's the one for Isaac. God, this is the one that you're, that, that you're sending to me. Listen, church, you want a key to getting your prayers answered? I don't like doing this stuff, but, but, but it's, it's Bible. You want a key? I'm not going to write a book about it, trust me. But if you want a key to having your prayers answered, live a surrendered life. Live a surrendered life. Pray prayers that you're ready to follow. Don't, don't ever get to the point where your prayers are professional. Because then you start praying stuff that's just desparate. You know, you start praying stuff that sounds good so that people around you go, oh, amen. Mm -hmm. You want to pray prayers so that Gretchen will go, yeah, 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 yeah. But then you're praying to impress Gretchen. They never left the room. You got it? 
You got it? Pray, pray prayers that you're ready to follow. Amen? Isaiah 65, 24 says, It shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they're still speaking, I will hear. See, he asked her, he, he goes to Rebecca and he asks her, Whose daughter are you? And she, she explains who she is. And, and when, she find, when he finds out that she is indeed of the right people, it says, verse 26, The man bowed his head and worshipped the Lord. This is key too. Too many times we stop praying when we get it. And we never give God thanks. And the next time we come back to God is to pray for the next thing that we want to get. And if you're a mom or a dad in here, you understand that if the only time your kid comes is to get, and it's never like, thank you, Papi, and it's never any of that, you, you thank God that God's not like us, but, but we understand that, you know, we get a little like, come on, the only time you come to me is when you want money. <laughs> 